Praise God forever. Thank you so much for your faithful giving and honoring God and putting him first in your finances. Not everybody does that. And I want you to know that I certainly, from the depth of my heart, um, appreciate your response to the word and your obedience and your giving. Um, and I know the leadership of this church, uh, board everyone greatly appreciates that you would not be, you wouldn't be sitting in this building if people didn't believe like you in giving. Um, years and years ago. We, I don't know what this church would look like today if people like you didn't give, but it wouldn't look like this. And I'm not talking about just the buildings. I mean, that's the peripheral. Um, I'm talking about youth over there by the hundreds, uh, children all up in the uh, upstairs and all over the building. Um, I'm talking about a recent women's God encounter where so many lives were touched. Talking about a recent marriage conference where we had some 1,200 in attendance and on and on and on. The Awaken revival back last fall. So many lives being touched. And it's because the goodness of God, the mercy of God, but it's because people gave and uh, Years ago, I had a lady, and I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but Pastor Ben started it. Um, but years ago, a lady, a good lady in our church that um, liked to help homeless, and um, she came to me when we were planning to build this facility, and she sat down and told me she didn't agree with this and that uh, she couldn't believe we were doing it, and on and on and on. Um, and I said, listen to me. Um, I want this church to grow. I want it to be able to accommodate a lot more people because I don't want one or two people like you that's helping people outside of here. I want hundreds like you helping people outside of here. And um, so that's what we've seen happen. Um, we have, wow, sat down with someone that I, as far as I know, got saved here um, and um, was coming to this church for years, raising her family here, has started a tremendous ministry in this city. Uh, Another lady uh, and her husband, I met them in the parking lot at Home Depot some months ago, and uh, she saw me and she expressed her uh, love and I hugged them both, and, and she told me she was doing homeless ministry, and I thought, thank God forever. People are going out and doing ministry, and so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithful giving. It's because of you that um, we gave nearly $2 million to home and foreign missions last year. Can you say amen? And, uh, and see, that has been multiplied. I mean, think about it. Those 820 plus missionaries and projects around the world are just multiplying 
to reaching lives and thousands and thousands more people beyond the walls of this church. Well, I'm in Proverbs chapter 10, and uh, tonight um, we're going to talk about the wisdom, the focus of this chapter really that I'm going to pull out is the wisdom of work, the wisdom of hard work, diligent work, the wisdom of being faithful in your work, the wisdom of not being lazy. Um, so anyway, we're going to talk about that tonight and pull some things out of here. Um, I, let me give you a little assignment. I, I came across this verse, um, and uh, next week, maybe this week you look it up, that talks about, there's all kinds of things in the book of Proverbs, interesting things that if you're really not careful, you'll read right over and keep going. But uh, there's a scripture that talks about how a man wipes a bowl versus a woman. And uh, how does a man, when he, if you t a man takes a bowl to dry it off, how will he do it? Does anybody think, ever, you ever thought about that? That's deep, isn't it? I mean, this is just real, real deep. But a man usually, now there are exceptions, but a man usually will wipe it off and then he will turn it over and wipe the other side. Women, on the other hand, are more inclined to wipe it and reach under and wipe it and keep going. Uh, so why don't you try to find that verse? All right, good luck. All right, so, or be blessed. All right, Alice doesn't like for me to use that word, luck. Uh, it's blessed. All right, so we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to plan to stop a little bit short to pray some, for some things. Uh, I know that uh, news media, is, they always hype things um, that uh, can really stir up people. And um, So anyway, they're really, really hyping this coronavirus, and we're not discounting people have died, but from the flu this year already, there have been thousands and thousands of people, unfortunately, that have died. So nobody pays, uh, or the news media is not even paying attention, not even tracking it, but every person that dies with this coronavirus, they're tracking it. So we don't live by fear, we live by what? We live by faith, we don't live by fear. They operate on fear because it sells news. We operate on faith because it pleases God. Amen? So uh, that's what we operate on. Uh, if you were not here last Sunday morning, let me encourage you to go back, look at the archives, um, listen to the message on guiltless, um, guilt-free, being guilt-free. Um, and I believe it will help you if you are not here. Um, unfortunately, too many people took away from that message um, a focus that after the service was over, they made a beeline to buy a Krispy Kreme donut. And uh, I had people texting me before uh, service, second service was out. I'm on my way to Winter Park to uh, Krispy Kreme. And I asked them, was the light on? And they said, no. Must not have been God that should they go, I'm just saying. But uh, anyway, we don't want to walk in guilt. Amen? All right, so let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these dear people. 
Thank you that the Holy Spirit is here to touch our lives. Thank you that in this room are angels, ministering spirits sent forth to minister. God, and I, I praise you for this atmosphere. I praise you, Lord God, that you inhabit the praises of your people, and we've sensed your presence in this place tonight. We give you thanks, Lord God, for what you are doing through this church in people's lives. We thank you, Lord God, for this upcoming men's encounter where men are gonna be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed by the power of God. I thank you for what you did last weekend. I pray your blessing on these dear people. I pray your blessing on their children, their families, their anyone that is sick in need of a touch from you. I ask you to touch Larry Swinburne. Lord God, I ask you to minister to his life and God just totally restore his health. Father, Alani Miller, who fell and Lord, and broke several ribs. And God, I ask you to be with him and touch him. And I ask you to minister to him mentally, emotionally, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Let's jump in and look at the scripture. Uh, he who has a slack hand becomes what? Poor. He who has a Slack hand becomes poor. This is the New King James Version. But the hand of the diligent, the hand of the diligent worker makes rich. Now, in the word uh, rich, the word rich certainly can encompass monetary um, leverage or monetary gain or sufficient, more than sufficiency to meet our needs, but it's not just monetary. It is rich. Uh, people can look at their homes and their families and, and their children are in health and everybody's doing good. They can say, I feel so rich because I, I am rich. And uh, so this word that God gives us through the book of, or through the words of Solomon he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. The slack hand should be on the screen. Slack means careless, negligent, sluggish, listless, not busy or active, one who shirks or avoids work. It's what uh, people have been, um, here's the word or a term, they've been used to a, he's a slacker. I hope that no one in here has ever been called a slacker because that means uh, if you were slacking off or you were called a slacker, it means that uh, people think you are lazy, you are taking advantage of a situation, a job. You're not putting forth your best effort. Now, look, I know there are times that everybody, uh, during maybe shorter periods of time, you may find yourself not feeling well or 
something's wrong or you're preoccupied and, and you may find yourself not putting forth 100%. But by and large, believers should be putting forth 100%. We should be the best workers where you work. We should be the best workers where you work. And if they have to ever lay you off for some reason beyond their control, they should grieve over the fact of having to let you go. Your reputation there should be stellar. It should be one that people think, wow, this person is a hard worker. We hope they never leave. They're such an inspiration to other people. That is the way believers should work, amen? They shouldn't dash in late, leave early, and uh, sit there uh, the last 15 minutes just waiting. Now, I know maybe everybody has done that once or twice in their lives, but that is not something you ordinarily do or certainly should be doing. In the Living Bible, it says this in verse four, lazy men are soon poor Hard workers get rich. I'm going to read it again. Lazy men are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. I was telling someone just recently that in our youth group years ago, a young boy, or well, he's not young. He was then. He walked up and he said, uh, he said, today is my birthday. I'm 18 years old. And I'm like, wow, happy birthday. He said, well, yes, but my mother's going to kick me out of the house tonight. I'm like, look, I'm like, they're not going to kick you out of the house. That's ridiculous. He said, she said she was going to kick me out when I turned 18. She'd been telling me that for a long time. So I said, well, look, I'm going to take you home. He lived out East Orlando, so I took him home. And I'm like, there is no way under God's good earth. And certainly, if she were going to ever kick him out, it wouldn't be on his birthday. So I pull up to their trailer, and there on the doorsteps was a garbage bag full of his belongings. And I couldn't believe it. I, I went up there, and she's like, she, I want him out of here. He's 18 years old. He's on his own. I don't have to put up with him anymore. I was so mad at her, and I could not believe it. I, it was, I was just incredulous, and I got in the car, and I'm like, you know, don't worry. We're going to work this out, and we brought him back to our house and let him stay there at our house. For a couple of days, I'm buying him clothes, getting him, you know, personal items. And, and then I'm like, okay, it's time to get him a job. He didn't have a car, of course. So right up the street was a farmer's market. And I took him up there, drove him up there. And uh, they said, yeah, they could hire him. I'm like, great. He could, in walking distance of the church over on Goldenrod. And so I went back to the office. I'm doing something. And about an hour later, he shows up. And uh, I'm like, what are you doing here? He said, they fired me. I'm like, wait a minute. Nobody gets fired within an hour. And he said, well, I did. They fired me. I'm like, what did you do? And they said, well, I wasn't working fast enough. I'm like, how does anybody 
get fired within one hour of starting a job. He's the only one in the history of my life that I have ever met that ever got fired within the first hour. He stayed at our house another week or so until I kicked him out. And so, uh, no, I didn't kick him out. But thank God he left on his own because I now knew why she kicked him out. He was lazy, good. Oh, my God, have mercy. And if there's one thing, especially back then, I've got more mercy now. But back then, I couldn't stand lazy people. I really had a hard time. I was convinced no lazy person was going to heaven. And uh, so, anyway, he was lazy. He just hadn't been taught to work. And and he, he left on his own. I saw him some months later, and you know what he told me? He says, Look, he said, I, I, I want to tell you this. You were too easy on me. And I'm like, yes, I know I was. Because I should have kicked you out after you lost the job within an hour. That's what I should have done. All right, so Tol- uh, Solomon's teachings on the proper work ethic uh, continues on in, in these verses. Work is one of the chief marks of wisdom. Did you hear that? Work. Hard work is one of the chief marks of wisdom. And uh, today, unfortunately, I I sometimes uh, get concerned that, you know, because of especially living in the city, kids don't have the opportunity like Pastor Ben and I to uh, work on a farm or work cutting grass or doing something more in a rural area. And I was always, always concerned about my son. And when he was about the fourth grade, he'd go home from school, watch television, eat. Fifth grade, sixth grade, gain too much weight. Uh, He was about the seventh grade, and somebody in the church said, do you know anybody that can help me in my lawn business? And I said, yes, my son. And he was underage, but I didn't care. And so uh, I said, "He'll, he'll go work for you. And the amazing thing happened. I couldn't get my son to cut my own grass. Well, he'd kind of cut it. It would take him forever. Just drive me up the wall. He'd be out there, stop, looking at bugs. He would be looking around, wandering off, come back, cut a little more. And I'm like, this is driving me batty. I don't like lazy people, and my son is lazy. And then when I got him that job, here's what happened. I got him that job. He started working for somebody else, making a little money. Um, That guy um, started speaking into his life, and he started working from sunup to sundown. I mean, working so hard. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I guess I needed to pay him, all right? So maybe that was the problem. But working for somebody else, just work, changed his life and his demeanor and his attitude. And uh, boy, did it just flip him. He started losing weight. And so listen, maybe you've got a teenager at home. Uh, Go find him a job, all right? Or summer's coming. It's already here. Buy him a lawnmower. 
No, better yet, let him buy a lawnmower, all right? Or her. What's to stop your daughter? Well, anyway, let's stop, all right, before I get carried away here. Proverbs chapter 10, verse five. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. God has set up the seasons. You don't sow crops in the winter. No, you may be getting ready for spring in the winter, and as soon as uh, spring starts, in most places, they start plowing, they start preparing the soil, and then at a certain time, they'll plant the seed, uh, and uh, the, the, the harvest is in the future, but the season of growing and planting is there, and then eventually comes the harvest, and the harvest season only lasts a certain amount of time. So if you don't get out there and gather the harvest, you lose the harvest and all the work that you put in. And so the same thing is happening. There are seasons for planting and harvest, and there are seasons in your life. And I don't know what season you are in, but I'm telling you, harvest is ahead of you, all right? So don't get discouraged. Just keep working hard. Keep being diligent. Keep serving God. Keep giving like you, you want a, God to bless you because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And, and so just keep on doing what you know to do and the harvest in fashion that is sometimes beyond your imagination is coming your way. All right, now, I forgot to tell him to put this scripture on the screen. All right, but uh, guys, you're so fast up in the media center. If you can find it before me, I'm gonna start reading it in just a second. 2 Thessalonians chapter three, verse seven. 2 Thessalonians chapter three and verse seven. Is, do they have it already? They are diligent, they are hard workers. See, that's what I'm talking about, right there. That's what I'm talking about. Before I turn to the scripture, they had it up there. Man, they're faster than I am. All right, so anyway. All right, verse seven, let me read it. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. Paul saying this, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. Now amazingly, Paul, starting out as a, an evangelist, traveling missionary, he is working incredibly. He says, I could charge you uh, for my ministry, but I'm choosing to do it differently to not be an offense to you. So look what he says. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day. He's reaching people, he's preaching, but he's a tent maker, he is working, he is uh, providing for himself and the guys that are with him that we not, might not be a burden to any of you. Verse nine, 
Not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. In other words, Thessalonians, you should be hard workers too. You should be providing for yourself. You shouldn't be looking for a handout. No, you should, if you are capable. Now, I know that there are people, maybe even in the sound of my voice, that are not able to work. But Paul is saying, I am out here as a missionary called of God or an apostle called of God. I am working day and night, preaching when I can uh, in every opportunity, but I'm also physically working to provide for our need. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. This is a command. If anyone will not work, if anyone will not work. It didn't say if anyone cannot work, but it says if you will not work, neither shall he eat. Boy, is that a serious verse. Now, you need to handle this carefully, but maybe this weekend when you say to your son or daughter, hey, I want you to wash the dishes or uh, take the trash out, and they're like, that's not my job. And you can just say, well, the Bible says if you don't take the garbage out, you won't be eating. And so apparently you're going to go find a job and work to buy your own food. Now, handle that one carefully. All right, so I'm just saying, all right, I'm just telling you what the Word says. Uh, it's, it, we make it so easy on our kids today. I mean, to load the dishwasher, you would think you had asked them to carry 300 pounds for a mile and a half. All right, don't make it easy. Teach them to work. Don't get angry with them, but teach them to work. Uh, show the, you know, even if you go somewhere and, and work in a ministry, a homeless ministry, or downtown to uh, just get them out, get them involved in activity. Okay, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly fashion, not working at all but our busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, don't grow weary in well-doing. All right, wow. These are some pretty serious verses. This is New Testament Paul, all right? So the slothful man or lazy man uh, will use all kind of excuses to get out of work. Uh, uh, one man says, there may be a lion outside in Proverbs chapter 22. Another man says, uh, you know, it's winter outside and uh, inclement weather outside. The chief point to this chapter is laziness is unwise. Laziness. Uh, now, I don't want to, I don't want any emails, but just listen to me for a few minutes. Um, uh, you can write me an email if it's asking, you know, more clarification. But we are in a period of time in America where America is changing. Now, I will admit that we have propagated as a culture and a society 
that kids should go to college. We have said, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, you need to go to college. And they go to college, which is usually overpriced and uh, very expensive. And so then there's someone there to loan them money so easily that they start taking out loans. And the next thing you know, uh, some time ago, I talked to a student at Southeastern Bible College where I graduated um, with about $2,000 in loans and they were up to about 70 and they still hadn't graduated. And when I heard this, I'm like, oh my Lord, $70,000. There's no way to get out of it. Uh, there's no way to get around it except die. And um, I don't know what they do then. Um, but um, $70,000, and he's probably going to get out and make $35,000 to start with and can barely survive, much less pay off this enormous debt that looms over his head. So we've done that. We've encouraged people to go. Um, you know, probably, you know, they need to follow their passion, and their passion may not be college. It certainly should not be, and I want to encourage you parents, don't let your kids go into a lot of debt in college. Uh, I, I'm just being honest with you. I don't think college students should go more than ten or 15,000 absolute tops, and I, I, I would favor more 10,000 at the most work their way through if they need to. If they don't have it, take longer, another year to go to college or even two years more working and paying for it is better than spending the next 30 years paying off an enormous debt. So encourage your own, encourage others to, to not do that because there's someone standing there, here, 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 here's money, here's money, here's money. Huh? Who doesn't like free money? And now they got all this enormous debt and guess what? They want somebody else to pay it off. And so in our culture today, literally we have a man running for the president of the United States that is an acclaimed socialist. He makes no apologies and that's his right to do so. This is America. You can be pretty much whatever you want to be. And so Democrat socialists, and he's providing and saying, I'm going to pay off everybody's debt when I become president. Well, how does, see, nothing is free because if you pay something off over here, you got to take it from over here. So nothing is free except Jesus Christ and salvation, all right? That's the only thing free. So here is a, an avowed socialist, and I'm thinking to myself, how did we get to this place in America? where people cannot see through this. Years ago, Mr. Yeltsin, who was a communist leader in Russia, he had grown up in Russia, he was indoctrinated in communism, which is so related to socialism, there's very little difference. Uh, and uh, he was literally so indoctrinated that when it came to work, he believed that Russia 
had the greatest uh, uh, ability to run business. And uh, this was back in the 70s, 80s. And he was convinced that Russia was one of the leading nations of the world. Here he is, a leading communist in Russia. He visited Johnson Space Center. Um, and when he came to visit, he was, in, of course, in Texas. And when he was there, outside of there was a little town. He went to the grocery store in this little town, walked in, and absolutely was floored. I'm sure he start, thought to start with it was a setup because the store was full of vegetables, canned goods, all in orderly fashion, snacks, drinks. I mean, typical grocery store in America. He walked down the aisles in shock and amazement and started asking the people questions about, you know, do you have to have a college education to, to run a place like this? No, you don't have to have a college education. How, how does all this work? How did this happen? And he goes on and on and on asking questions. And when he realized this was America and communism that he had grown up in and was taught was the greatest ideology in the world, the most efficient ideology in the world, walked away, went back to Russia, left the Communist Party, became a, the president eventually, and helped to turn a nation away from a lie and deception, something that had no motivation. They've got some of the greatest landmass in the world, fertile land, and yet back in the 70s and the 80s, America was helping feed Russia. They were importing corn. Do you know why? Because there was no motivation. Everything was owned by the government. They were totally controlled. And so there was more alcoholism. They just drank. They didn't care. They were going to get their little meager amount, regardless of what they did. Folks, the last thing you want in America is socialism. We want to work. It's scriptural. The Bible teaches us to do so. And so, God help us. God help us. And when a moderator recently asked, and I don't want to get too much into politics here, but I'm just going off the scripture. I'm going off of what the wisest man in the world at the time, God gave him this wisdom. He was saying, wisdom is to work hard. And so, when recently a moderator said, how many of you have a problem with socialism? Only one on the platform raised their hand. The rest did not. Uh, Go to Venezuela, to those dear, poor people down there. My God and my Lord, the sad picture. Go to Cuba and see those wonderful people. And that church that we help build in Cuba that's reaching thousands of people. And one of the board members takes us back to the hotel and I don't know if he was embarrassed to say this, but so desperate that he said it to us. He said, guys, if you have any soap that you don't use up, 
Would you please let us have it? Used soap was asking for it. That is what socialism does to people. It degrades them and to the, the fact that they're poor. Uh, it creates a miserable factor and everybody is miserable except the ruling class. So the word of God teaches us to work hard. The word of God teaches us that, that uh, we're to, it commands us to work uh, and to not be lazy and to not be unmotivated, but to get out there and uh, like Paul, who worked day and night to preach the gospel and also provide for the needs of his own life. And you want to teach your children to work hard. All right. All right. So Proverbs chapter uh, 10 verse 25 as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes so is the lazy man to those who send him uh, vinegar to the teeth irritating uh, smoke to the eyes ah, ah. you know it's like you're oh lazy oh God have mercy they're so lazy dear Jesus they get fired within an hour of starting work uh, poor guy I hope he's I hope he's I hope he's okay. Uh, the last time I saw him, he was still lazy. And so anyway, that, that was sad. Proverbs 10, 8. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. Excuse me. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. Uh, Verse eight, the prating fool shall fall. Prating mean to talk, means to talk too much without weight, to chatter, to babble, to utter foolishness. So two things here in this chapter, work hard, uh, that's wisdom, and then to walk with integrity with our mouth. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse nine, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become Known. All right, let me just cover these because we're going to pray. Proverbs 10, verse 8. A prating fool will fall. 10, 11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Proverbs 10, 13. Wisdom is on the lips of the understanding. Verse 14. Wise men store up knowledge. Verse 18. Whoever hides hatred, has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Whoever hates, stirs up, or has lying lips. Whoever spreads slander is a fool. And then in verse 19, I'm just gonna read quickly a couple more. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Oh my goodness, that is so easy to do. To get caught up in conversation and to go beyond where we should with our mouth. Um, you know, I find myself at times doing that and say, God have mercy. There have been times I, I've said things and I'm like, what in the world am I saying? Um, dear God, forgive me. And, but it's once it escapes our lips, once it escapes our lips, it's, it's a terrible thing to try to then pull it back. Um, 
God, help us to watch the words of our mouth and to make sure that we do not just babble on and especially end up slandering or causing harm in someone's life. Um, you know, once it leaves your mouth, you can ask forgiveness, but sometimes, many times, there may be damage beyond what we ever anticipated, so God help us to watch the words of our mouth, and tomorrow, everybody's going to go to work and work hard. Everybody's going to be on time tomorrow. Let's all just say it together. We're going to be on time. We're going to be on time. That was a weak response. That was just a very weak response. Some of you planned on going by and getting a Krispy Kreme and you're going to be two or three minutes. No, you're not going to do that. You are going to be on time. Maybe some of you are going to be on time for the first time in a long time. Maybe tomorrow you're not going to watch the clock until the last or the last 10 minutes. No, you're not going to do that. Tomorrow, Maybe you even need to go to your boss and say, or to her or him, you know, um, I'm, really, I'm really going to start putting forth a, a greater effort in this area. Um, maybe you need to say to them, I'm not saying you go in and say, hey, you know, I've just been a slacker. I've been goofing off. I, I've just been sitting around waiting for my paycheck. I don't recommend that, all right? So... I don't recommend doing that, but I do recommend saying, you know, I want you to know, I, I'm going to do my best here at this job, and if you ever see me, you know, in anything that I can improve, talk to me about it, please, and I want to serve this business, I want to serve you, I want to, I want to do my very best, amen, bow your heads with us, Father, in the name of Jesus, so simple, yet Wisdom from the lips of God. God, help us to work hard, to be diligent, to watch our step and our testimony before others. God, I ask you to help us in the words of our mouth. Oh, God. Oh, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. God, we can let our emotions get carried away and our words slip beyond the grasp of our lips. So hard to ever even consider that we could recapture. God, forgive us. Forgive us of saying things, God, that are not reflective of Christ-likeness. God, forgive us of getting angry and upset at others instead of responding with a soft answer that turns away wrath. Dear Jesus, help us always, oh Lord God, to be conscious of your presence in our lives so we can walk before you, pleasing you above all else. In Jesus' name.